Welcome to the Freedom House Church Weekend Message. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from a communicator on our teaching team. Whether you're just waking up, on your way to work, or going for a relaxing evening walk, we know this message will equip you to experience Christ's freedom today and every day. So enjoy. Christmas, everyone. Look at your neighbors. Say Merry Christmas. Hey, can we can we just take a minute? Could you just stand up with me real quick? And if you're joining us online, would you mind standing up? Mecklenburg County uh, Detention Center, would you guys just stand up? I just want to pray for you before I get started on this message today. Father, we just are so grateful to be in your presence today. I can't think of a better place, uh, a, a place that we'd rather be, Father. We just thank you that David sa- David said... Um, I'd rather be in the house of the Lord. So, Father, we're grateful for that. We're grateful that we, we get to get out. We're grateful that we get to spend time with our community. We're grateful, Father, that we get to just hang out and kind of rub off on each other and encourage each other. God, it's been a tough year. And, Father, we are grateful for what's coming ahead. We are in, in anticipation of what you're going to do in our lives what we can learn from everything that we've been through. Father, we lift up our nation. Father, we pray for all the frontline workers. God, all the uh, people that are in the hospitals, doctors, nurses, technicians. Father, we pray for them right now. God, we ask you you to give them strength. Help them, Lord, to, to fight the good fight. Lord, to recognize that there's hope on the other side, that they're making a difference, Lord. Father, we love you. We thank you that we can gather today and just celebrate your presence, who you are, why you came, the purpose that really is what Christmas is all about. Father, I pray for every person here today, every person watching, every person listening. And Father, I pray your blessing and your favor upon them. Father, I pray healing, deliverance, and protection over their households. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Come on, give God just a big hand clap, and then you may be seated. Have you ever been in a situation maybe where you saw something on television, or maybe somebody told you a story of something that they did um, maybe specifically on television. You saw, you saw on television, they did something, and you're like, I can do that. Like, I can do it. You saw it, you, you imagine in your head, you can do it. I was about 11 years old, and uh, I was watching, I don't know what I was watching, 
but uh, it was this guy on the top of this building. And he was all by himself, and he jumped off the building with an umbrella in his hand. And as he was falling, you know, the camera was following him all the way down, he popped the umbrella open, and he floated all the way down to the ground. Well, I did it. I went home to my grandparents' house. I lived in an apartment at the time, so I couldn't get on the roof. And so I went to my grandparents' house. I found the largest umbrella, like this one. My room at my grandparents' house kind of went out onto the roof of my house. That's right. And uh, I got to the edge. And instead, you know, it was only about maybe 30 feet. So I, I figured I probably didn't have time to open it. So I figured I'd just jump with it already open. Now, um, you can imagine what happened. Now, I believed, I really believed that it would work, honestly. I really believed that I was just going to float to the ground. Well, you know exactly what happened. When I jumped off, man, I hit the deck. <laughs> Thank goodness nobody was watching. I would have been pretty embarrassed. Um, I, I didn't break any bones. Uh, I never did it again, and I made sure that from now on, whenever I watched anything on television, I actually didn't try it when I went home. And I would encourage you not to try anything you watch on Die Hard this week anyway. So, um, you know, there, our brains, there is a part of our brain that is dedicated to believing. It's in the frontal lobe. It's, it's called the believus factoris. Makes up about 5% of your frontal lobe. And uh, it's developed, you know, early on in your age, by the time you're 12 years old, uh, it, it develops this idea of believing. And everything I just told you is not true. Some of you believe that right there just because I was saying it. You know, the preacher just can't lie. You know, there's no way. Because, let's be honest, you can't believe everything you see and you can't believe everything you hear. Right now, especially in the world we're living, you turn on the news, even Fox News, you can't believe it. Come on, somebody. CNN, MSM, they miss it. All of them miss it. We don't know what to believe. That's why I am so thankful that I have a God whom I can put my trust in. I have a Savior who decided to come for my sins 2,000 years ago. The reason why we celebrate Christmas today is because of what God destined for you and I 2,000 years ago. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that I can put my hope in something that is secure, something that is strong, something that is founded, that'll never let me down. You know, that's why we celebrate Christmas. It's not just to get a present, not just to put up a good Christmas tree, not to put some wreaths on your, you know, the front of your house that fall down right before you're supposed to be at church. Come on, somebody. I mean, it's just, and your wife tells you you need to go out there right now and put it up there because the house needs to look good for Christmas Eve. I mean, that's not what it's all about. It's about Jesus and putting our strength and, and our hope in him. I believe we all have a little, bit, a little hole in our heart that is destined to be filled with hope. Hope is the confident expectation of good. It's the confident expectation of good. Sometimes we just have to know that we can be confident in something. Christmas is hope revealed through Jesus Christ. It's a plan exposed through Jesus Christ. It's God letting you and me know you can believe. You can believe. Look at your neighbor and say, you can believe. You can believe. John chapter 1, verse 10. He came into the very world, talking about Jesus. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people. Even they re rejected him. But to all who believed him 
and accepted him, he gave the right to become the children of God. Jesus was truth made flesh. He was, he was God's word that, I like the message paraphrase, that moved into the neighborhood with you. I love that thought. I love that, that, that Jesus encompassed everything about the word of God. I mean, think about it. 1,500 years, uh, this book called the Bible was written by over 35 different authors, all of which were kind of set together, uh, pointing to, the, to this moment, Christmas. This, this, this destined moment where this, this, this kid would be born that would change the lives of humanity. I mean, it's pretty amazing to think about how everything worked out, how God orchestrated all this so that now we can put our trust in something. You know, today I want to talk about what you're putting your beliefs in. I know it's been a crazy year. It's probably going to get crazier. But I do know that there will always be an attack on the Word of God. Always. Why is that? Why is there always an attack? Why does it seem that it's so difficult to believe? Well, we can see it right from the very beginning. In Genesis chapter 3, um, this, this, this enemy that we have, Satan, a serpent, comes to Adam and Eve, mankind. And this is the question that, that Satan asked Adam and Eve. And this is the question that we all have to wrestle with. He comes to Eve and he says, did God really say? And that's the question we all have to wrestle with. Especially in a year like this. Did God really say that? Did God really say that? I mean, is he really there? Is, is, he, is, it, is the word of God really something that you can put your trust in? And I've been a Christian for over 30 years. And what I've found is my life as a believer, even still to this day, is moving from a transactional belief to a transformational belief. From a transactional faith to a transformational faith. This is the um, kind of the, the morphing of our belief system. Is we go from transaction or contract with God to a covenant with God. See, transactional faith is I believe so I can get something. So we start off like this. I believe in Jesus so I don't have to go to hell. That's a good trade. That's a good, would you agree? That's a good trade. Come on, somebody. I mean, I don't want to go to hell. Even if I don't believe in it, I don't want to go to it. Seems kind of bad. I mean, it only has four letters. It's not a good play. I mean, everybody talks about it. I've read things about it. There's lots of movies about it. I even love the new Match.com commercial where Satan goes out on a date with 2020. I mean, what an amazing, whoever thought of that, they need a raise. Because, I mean, that's just the picture of what hell is. Transactional faith. We kind of morph into maybe we go to church, God will do something good for us. You know, that's kind of how we think. Or, or maybe it looks like this. We had a bad week. If I go to church, it'll race it all. That's transactional. It's all transactional. I'm going to give so I can get. A lot of marriages are transactional. Hopefully, we can kind of escape that kind of relationship because God is not a transactional, relational person. He's transformational. And see, your marriage, if you're married, you know, I, I can promise you that your wife or your husband is not always going to do what you want them to do. Don't point at him right now, but just be honest. 
I know the Bible says train up a wife in the way she should go, but sometimes she just doesn't, she just doesn't go that way. She's not here today, so I can say that. <laughs> but that's how we kind of move in our relation, and we translate that to God. You know, in our marriages, we'll say, well, I'll change if they change, right? Well, that's not how a covenant works. That's not transformational belief. Because what if they don't change? What, what, what if things don't change? What if your circumstances don't change? Do you still believe in God? Or do you live the rest of your life in a question? See, when, when, we, can, when we put our faith in the foundation of God's word, it doesn't matter what we see here or even experience. It matters what he said, period. And so at, at my life, you know, at, at 30 years, I've kind of morphed into this transfer. I'm still working on it, to be honest with you. I know you say, well, you're my pastor. Yeah, I'm still working on it. I'm still trying to work out this idea of who God is and, and how he can work in my life. But I've come up with some ways in which I know that I can believe. And I want to give you a few of them that might may, maybe will can, convict you enough to change your belief system. The first one is I believe God is always with me. Always with me. When I was young, probably six or seven years old, I used to have this dream. It was, it was really a nightmare that I was, in, I was in my room and I was sitting in this box that housed my favorite race car set. Now, y'all don't know what race car sets are as kids. I, I, don't, I mean, if you're, you don't have no idea what I'm talking about, but these are things that you erected. The, race, the cars went around. It was amazing. You could, it had this little handle. You could race. It was awesome. It had a bridge on it where it would go over the bridge. You, I could stare at that thing for hours upon hours upon hours, just watching the cars go around and around and around. Well, my nightmare was I was sitting in my box. My room had turned to water, and there were alligators trying to eat me. Now, don't try to, like, figure this out prophetically because I don't know what it means. <laughs> and I would wake up. Like, like, I know you're, you, many of you have, have had nightmares before. Maybe you've had some wild dream. Maybe it's a re reoccurring one. I don't know. Maybe you just ate too much pizza the night before. Whatever. I, I, I remember waking up as a kid, and I would always run into my mother's room. I grew up, you know, single mom, no brothers or sisters. I would run into the room, and I always knew she was there. And here's what she would say this all the time. Hey, Tro Troilet, that was my nickname. Don't, please don't make fun of me later for that, okay? <laughs> Toilet, everything's going to be okay. I am right here. Lots of times I would, she wouldn't let me get in the bed with her. I'd have to sleep beside it. <laughs> Isn't that terrible, Mom? I mean, horrible. And, and so, but she would always say, everything's going to be okay. I am right here. You know, I, I think that rings true with God. And maybe he's saying that to you today. Hey, everything's going to be all right. I'm right here. I believe God always is with me. And it's portrayed in the, in the Christmas story. In Isaiah chapter 7, this was 800 years prior to the Immaculate Birth. This is God talking to us. He says, all right then, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Here's the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Everybody say Emmanuel. 
It means God with us. See, I believe that no matter if there's silence, no matter if I don't see God moving, no matter if I don't feel him, even if things don't go right, I just believe that he's there. Like, I believe God is always with me. Secondly, I believe God will always take care of me. He's always taken care of me. Even when I shouldn't have been taken care of. When Jesus was about 30 years old, he went back to his hometown. It says in Luke chapter 4, he came to the village of Nazareth where everybody knew him. His boyhood home. He went as usual to church that day on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. Here's what he read. Out of the the book of Isaiah, the prophet was handed to him and he unrolled the scroll and he found the place where this was written. And here's what Jesus declared that he would fulfill. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to preach good news, to, to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the, that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. See, I believe he can take care of me because he already has. He's already done it. Like that, that command, what he did on the cross, his death, his burial, his resurrection paid the price for everything that I would ever need. Even when I don't feel like he's fulfilling it, I just believe he's taking care of me. Because let's be honest, sometimes it doesn't feel like he's taking care of me. And then I see what happens at the end. I'm going, man, you were taking care of me the whole time. I had no idea you were doing it for me. Sometimes we don't realize the end of the story until we get to the end of the story. And then we go, crap, why was I so angry at God? He had the best, he had the best for me to begin with. Are you with me, guys? Come on, anybody with me today? I mean, let's, let's be honest. I mean, I was poor in spirit. He gave me great friends and, and loved ones. And always, he made me rich with friendships. I, I was captive with my own sin, and he set me free. He, I was blind to my future, and he gave me my purpose. Never in a million years could I imagine if you would have told me you know, when I was 18, 19 years old, that I'd be doing what I get to do now, I would smack you. I'd be like, you are smoking crack, man. There's no way that's going to happen. No way. About a week and a half ago, I was at a restaurant with some friends eating lunch. And my friend Frank did something that I'm going to start doing at every restaurant I go to. The young lady brings the food, you know, and she's got her mask on and everything. She comes to the table, she drops the food off, and and Frank says, hey, her name was uh, Chelsea. We had asked her what her name was. He said, hey, Chelsea, we're getting ready to pray. Is there anything we can pray for you about? What a great thing to do. And she, she immediately, as soon as he made that statement, she just started weeping, like crying, at the table, at the restaurant, bawling. I said, what's wrong? She said, you're not going to believe this. I'm 21 years old. I'm a single mom. I have a six-year-old boy, which means she had him when she was 15. She had a three-month-old kid, a little girl as well. She said, just last night I was talking to God. I hadn't talked to him in a long time. And I told him I really need some help. I don't know what to do. And here you are asking me how you can pray for me. Well, you know, as a pastor, I know how to receive an offering. So we did it right at our table. There was three of us right there. And we, that was a joke, by the way. 
Y'all thought I was like talking serious. No, we all immediately reached in our pocket and pulled out every dollar that we had and we put it on the table. And I knew that the coming weekend we were giving away bikes. And I said, you were giving away bikes. And I said, hey, does your six-year-old have a bike? She goes, no. And I said, how about we give him a bike? She said, really? I said, yeah. I said, our church is right over there. You can come over there this weekend. We'll give you a bike. I'm texting him right now to let you know that you're going to be coming. And I started to think. I started to think about that six-year-old. That six-year-old was me. I had a single mom that worked at a restaurant. Probably had the same thoughts. And here I was, somebody, and I'm not saying this egotistically, I've had, I've had the best life ever. I've done amazing things. I've been all over the world preaching the gospel. I've been in front of great people. It's been amazing. And I said, I said, Chelsea, let me just tell you something. God has a plan for your life. He will take care of you. Don't have to worry about that six-year-old. You don't have to worry about that three-month-old. I'm telling you, he's got a plan for your life. If it wasn't just for us sitting here to let you know we're going to pray for you, God has, and we'll always take care of you. That's the kind of God we serve. See, I believe because God always takes care of me. And he always will take care of you. I, I believe God always loves me, even when I don't deserve it, which is a lot. My wife tells me that all the time. <laughs> you know, God doesn't love you because of the good things that you do. If I went, if I went around the malls tonight and just asked everybody, are you a Christian? I'd probably say 95% of them would say yes. If I asked them how they knew they were going to heaven, you know what they would probably say to me? Because I'm a good person. I typically ask people when they say I'm a good person, I said, what does that mean to be good? And then they'll say, well, you know, I don't lie that much. <laughs> because all of us have kind of a scale of good, right? Don't we? Like, for, for some of you, lying is way out of bounds. Like, you would never lie. But for some of you, like, three a week is okay. Like, that's a good week for you. Come on, don't point at anybody, but let's be honest. Let's just be honest because we all have this sliding scale of good. But the truth is it doesn't matter how good you are because that's not the basis of God's interaction with you. Now, he doesn't approve of those things. Obviously, he doesn't approve of lying or stealing or murder. I mean, just look at the Ten Commandments. But the truth is, is that's a very hard list to live up to. You say, oh, yeah, I do it all the time. No, you don't. And if, if you want to just transfer it over to Jesus, Jesus even made it a little more difficult. Because the point isn't how good you are. The point is, who do you believe in? Because when you put your faith in the right place, it's amazing how your life will change. You'll start doing it for the right reasons. It won't be transactional anymore. It'll be transformational. Because now you're in a relationship with somebody who loves you in spite of you. Which I'm so grateful that that's how God thinks of me. The Bible says in Romans 5, For since our friendship with God was, all, was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies. Think about it. Jesus came and they rejected him. The people who were supposed to accept him spit in his face. But he still hung on a cross 
and said, forgive them, God, because they don't even know what they're doing. That's the kind of God that's available for you. That's the kind of relationship that is, is, is purposeful for all of us. He said, for since our friendship was, with, was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we, we still certainly, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. I believe God always loves me because Jesus proves he always has. I believe God always has a plan. I think this is, this is the, the year of why, you know? Like, why in the world did this happen in America, in the world? Why are businesses shutting down? Why is the, why? I mean, just why? All these questions. And the Christmas story shows us that God always has a plan. See, Look at me for a second. All of us, see, the, the problem with, with many times when you're reading the Bible is you can see the end. You can skip to the end of the story. And you know Joseph and Mary are going to make it. But just, just for a second, put yourselves in their sandals, okay? And just think about having to get your wife on a horse when she's nine months pregnant. And then telling her, we got to go to this other city, not sure if I got a reservation or not. Like, I don't know where we're going to stay, maybe with some friends. We'll work it out when we get there. No, 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 that's not going to work. But see, we know it all works out. You know, he's born in a manger, and it's sweet, and there's animals, and the kings come, and they bring gifts, and this, that, and we can see all the end. But put yourself in the middle of the story. Guess what? You're in the middle of your story. Do you believe that God has a plan? Because I believe God has a plan for my life. Like, I really believe it. Even when all hell hits the Maxwell house, I believe he has a plan. A lot of people look at my wife and I, oh, y'all got it all together. No, no, we don't got it all together. Like, we got problems. If you hung around with us for a week, I don't know if you'd stay around. I'm joking. But when things happen and people get upset and things, I mean, all this stuff, I just believe God has a plan and he's working it out. He may be behind the scenes, but I know he's doing something. I know he's doing something. Acts 2 says that by God's deliberate plan, he handed Jesus over. I believe God always has a plan because Jesus was the fulfillment of God's plan of redemption. And then finally, I believe God sent Jesus to die for me. I really believe it. Like I put my life on it everything about my life for the, for the truth that Jesus died for me. Sometimes it's hard, you know. Sometimes you go through times of doubt, seasons of doubt, weeks turns into months, and you're like, man, did, did, it, did it really work? You know what? That's normal. You don't need to beat yourself up because of that. We all have doubts. That's part of God, listen to me, revealing himself to you. You know what I think doubts are? Doubts are the opportunity for God to enter your life in a new space. We all have them. If you've been married for any length, I've been married almost 30 years. There's been times, doubts. 
But every time I've overcome those doubts, my relationship with my wife has grown to another level. Every time I've overcome those doubts in my relationship with God, my relationship with Him has gone to another level. There are just some things that you'll never be able to talk me out of. Never. Healing is one of them. Never talk me out of it. I believe God heals. Well, he didn't heal so-and-so. doesn't matter. I believe he heals. Period. End of discussion. Not going any farther. We don't have to argue about it. You cannot believe it. I'm always going to believe it. I believe God's always with me. I believe God has a plan for my life. I believe God loves me. I believe God sent Jesus to die for me and you. But sometimes our past seems to just try to pull us back and get us to live in those doubts, those times of unbelief. One of my favorite movies is Braveheart. Love Braveheart. My wife hates it, but I love it. It's a great movie. Awesome movie. I love movies like, I love Gladiator. Braveheart, I mean, those are man movies. I mean, those are, I mean, you just, if you don't feel excited after watching those movies, there is something wrong with you. One of the characters in Braveheart is the king of Scotland. His name's Robert Bruce. True story. This is a true story. When he was trying to win his freedom from England, Scotland was trying to win its freedom from England, the English wanted to capture Bruce to keep him from assuming his position as the next line for the Scottish crown. And so they, they actually took his dogs and set his dogs to chase him down. And Bruce could hear them, you know, chasing him. And his servant, his attendant, kept telling Bruce, we're done for, man. It's over with. We're going we're gonna to die. We're going to get captured. And Bruce said over, hey, it's going to be all right. And then he headed for a stream that flowed where he knew exactly where it was. And he gets in the stream and he starts wading up the stream. After a few hundred yards, he gets out of the stream and runs. And the dogs chase him all the way till he gets to the stream. And when he gets to the stream, they lose the scent. Because the water has washed away the scent. See, this is what Jesus came to die for, for you and I. Is that when we can allow the blood of Jesus to wash us, our past will never have control over us again in Jesus' name. Isn't that a great promise to know? I love that. Jesus says over and over, the Son sets you free. The Son sets you free. You know, if our greatest need was enjoyment, God would have sent an entertainer. You know, if, God's, if our greatest need was economic, you know, God would have sent a banker. If our greatest need was health, He would have sent a doctor. But God knew our greatest need was forgiveness, so He sent a Savior. Isn't that good to know? See, I believe that God loves me. I believe God's always with me. I believe God has a plan for my life. I believe that God sent his son to die for me. Do you? Do you? Do you believe? Do you believe? 
Matter of fact, let me just ask you right now. I just want you to stand up if you believe. Do you believe God? Do you believe? If you believe God is always with you, I want you to stand up right now. Come on, just stand up right now. If you believe God always takes care of you, stand up right now. If you believe God always loves you, then stand up right now. If you believe God has a plan for your life, then stand up. And then lastly, I want to challenge you if you're still sitting. Do you believe God sent his son to die for you? Because if you don't, you can start today. Today is the day. Best Christmas you could have ever is to say yes to Jesus Christ. I mean, that's, man, what a Christmas gift to God and yourself. Probably your family, too. They've been praying for you for a long time. So I want to pray for you. If you're watching, maybe you're in the detention center, and you've never given Jesus your life, you can right now. Right now. That's right. Right now. Maybe you're sitting on your couch just kind of wondering, going through that season of doubt. Maybe God wants to open up a brand new part of himself to you right now. If you say, that's me, I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, if you're in this room or watching online, I want you to do something by faith. I just want you to raise your hand so I can see it. I want to pray. I want to know who I'm praying for. You ready? One, two, three. Just raise your hand. You say, I want to give my life. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hands all over the room. Let's just, come on, let's give them a big hand. Isn't that great? Awesome. You raised your hand. You wanted to raise your hand. I want you to put your hand on your heart. Let's do this all together as a church family. I just want to pray this out loud. Let's make a confession to Jesus. Just say this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that God is always with me. I believe that God will always take care of me. That he has a plan for me. I believe that his blood, the blood of Jesus, washes me of all my sins and all my mistakes. I believe that I have a purpose and a future. Thank you, Jesus, that you raised, were raised from the dead so I could have a brand new life that begins right now in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Come on, give God a big hand clap. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we encourage you to spread the word. Share with your friends and family on social media and make sure you subscribe to hear a new message every week. Really love the message? Well, we want to hear from you. Make sure to leave us a review below. Want more Freedom House content? Follow us on Instagram at Freedom House and subscribe to Freedom House Church on YouTube. We hope you are equipped to experience all that God has for you this week, and we'll see you for our next Freedom House Church weekend message.